carefully, we will find that the authors of the Gospels had different takes on what happened that somber Friday afternoon and what it meant for the world. And continuing further through the centuries of Christian history, many theories have been proposed and debated and meditated on. This is what I hope you remember from today. This is what I wish I had heard as a child, looking up at the cross and feeling nothing but shame when I did. I wish I had heard this. There is not only one right way of thinking about the cross, of what Jesus did or what happened to Jesus on that Friday afternoon. And in fact, our ancestors saw fit to keep the question open. In a similar way that our ancestors in faith kept not one singular, concise version of the story of Jesus to pass on, but maintained four Gospels, four accounts of a story that sometimes agree and sometimes contradict and provide a variety of perspectives and conclusions. In the same way that our Jewish ancestors saw fit to keep two distinct stories of creation at the beginning of our sacred text. Two stories told very differently. Stories that cannot be read as a single narrative, but are meant to be seen as two poetic versions of an ancient history. Two answers to the question, why are we here? Our spiritual lineage deemed it necessary to leave that same openness around the question of the cross. Pop Christianity would disagree with me, of course, and many American Christians would call me a heretic right now, but I'm used to that. <laughs> Biblical scholar Matthew Meyer Bolton from Harvard Divinity School says this about the cross. Our ancestors saw fit to keep the question open, as if to say that the mystery of the cross is like a great cruciform or cross-shaped cathedral with many entrances and side chapels, many avenues of approach, and perhaps many different gifts to offer. Take our gospel text for today. It would be unfaithful for us to read just this section of the Gospel of Mark and draw conclusions about what Jesus meant when he told his disciples to take up their cross. We need what comes before. Jesus went with his disciples into the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? The disciples answered him, John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered them. Anybody remember? Bible quiz? You are the Messiah. We're not a Bible quizzing congregation. Sure. That was a joke. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected and be killed, and after three days, rise again. You see, in first century Palestine, many Jewish people believed that the Messiah, the Anointed One, would come and lead a military coup 
a victorious rebellion against the Roman occupiers to restore David's monarchy. The Messiah was going to be a warrior king, one to lead oppressed people to political victory over the empire that held control over them. Peter may well have been thinking along similar lines when he answered Jesus' question, Who are you? You are the Messiah, the one who will deliver us from oppression from the Romans. Jesus must have known this because he turned around and said this to the crowd. The Messiah must undergo suffering and death at the hands of those in power. Not the Messiah will overcome the ruling class. This view of Jesus's, of what the Messiah had come to do, was the direct opposite of what Peter was hoping for. Peter's reaction to this is telling. After Jesus says this blasphemy about the Messiah suffering, dying, rising again, Peter takes him aside and rebukes Jesus. It's clear that this teaching about the cross, about Jesus suffering and dying, was controversial to the disciples, confusing, even offensive to them. Putting this gospel story in context, Jesus is making a bold claim. He's putting Peter's ideas of messiahship and the prevailing ideas of what the messiah would do in contrast with his own. Peter's vision of the conquering messiah who uses force to oust those in power is coercive and self-centered. Jesus proposes the complete opposite, a messiah that has forgiveness and humility and liberation at its heart, not grasping and vengeance and destruction. So when we read this story in context, it shows us that the command to take up your cross is meant as a direct contrast to Peter's vision of a Messiah, whose call to his disciples is vanquish your enemies. Jesus points to the cross as the culmination of his devotion to a life of self-emptying love, of pouring oneself out for others for the sake of freedom from the systems of oppression of the world. The Messiah has not come to overcome those in power for the sake of grasping for power. The Messiah has come to free us from the tyranny of systems that put some in power in the first place. And Jesus is telling his disciples directly, you are to live this way too. You are to reject the systems of the world that sell you the lie that you should live for power over others. Instead, being a disciple means joining Jesus in the liberating, healing work of anti-violence and abundant love, even for those who hurt you. Again, we are in dangerous territory, and I cannot preach today without pointing to the harmful ways this text has been used throughout history, particularly against women, victims of abuse, and marginalized groups of people. Jesus' call to take up your cross is not an encouragement to accept the abuse that you experience. 
nor is it a command to go out and seek suffering for the sake of salvation. We are not called to pursue suffering for the sake of better understanding Jesus' passion. For too long, groups of people calling for social change have been told, take up your cross, suffer this for the sake of salvation. In this understanding, we glorify suffering and have an excuse to not free people from pain and violence. For far too long and still, this teaching has been directly given to women and others in abusive relationships. As women are told by their pastors to take up their cross and stay with their abuser. This was their cross to bear. Your suffering makes you closer to Jesus. No. If we read this story in the context it deserves, it's clear that Jesus was not telling people to go out and seek a cross to take up. Not telling people to justify the suffering of the poor and the marginalized. Jesus was instead presenting a totally different vision of freedom from what Peter envisioned. A vision that had humility and generosity at its heart. Not dominion, dominance, and violence. It was Jesus' way of correcting Peter's incorrect assumptions and showing him and everyone that he had come to live for God and for neighbor in love. Taking up our cross means joining Jesus in the liberating work of the journey from captivity to freedom. Taking up our cross means joining Jesus in the work of rejecting systems of oppression and relieving suffering. It means showing up at transit stations where asylum seekers today are left by border patrol with no direction and no resources. It means engaging in the active work of awakening to our own prejudices through anti-racism learning. It means getting quiet enough in prayer to recognize what we are grasping onto so that we can let go of what keeps us caged. Our faith values diversity in story and in belief. Isn't that cool? And it's been there since the beginning. The way we think about the cross is no different. When we hold on with a death grip to one theology of the cross, we cut off the living, breathing life at the center of our faith. We are entering dangerous territory. And with the disciples, we might be confused, even offended, when Jesus starts talking about the cross. If we hold on to openness, curiosity, and mystery, we might have a different experience of Good Friday, and even of Easter. Yesterday, I got a text from a community member who told me that their spouse is in the hospital and is about to be transferred to a rehab center. I had sent out this poem in Blackwater Woods yesterday in an email, and this person wrote to me to say thank you for sending that poem. They said, 
To live in this world, you must be able to do 